I, I do like to start with Georgia um, already doing something or engaged in something. And it's really interesting that you asked me that question because uh, now that I think about it, like, you know, I'm asking myself, okay, so why do I do that? You know, other than the fact that the writing advice out there is always, you know, try to start your book as close to the inciting incident as you can, you know, but I've been known to start my, my books in a subplot. But, you know, now that I think about why I do that, I think it's easier for me to get my head back into Georgia, you, you know, in, in book two or book three or whatever book I'm writing. You know, the other one has been written, you know, maybe months and months ago or even a, a year or longer ago. And so when if I start with that action, it just immediately puts me in Georgia's shoes. And I think it also helps me as a writer, you know, and hopefully it helps the readers well jump in. Hello there, my fellow sophisticated creatives. Welcome to JCV Art Studio from the dressing room. We all know who's in the studio with me, Ozzy. Today, I have a returning guest author, and we're going to talk about her second novel. This author has a passion for nature, photography, motorcycles, and coffee. She went to university and emerged with a Bachelor of Science in Geology. Her work in remote regions of Canada honed her insatiable curiosity, fueled her imagination, and deepened her desire to learn. She writes full time, which sounds absolutely wonderful. Okay? She approaches her creativity, imagination, and the all important head down, butt in chair skill she's acquired along the way to create challenging crimes the author of Night Blind, and here to talk to us about the second novel in her Georgia Night series, Night Trials, Alice Biena. Welcome back to the dressing room. Hi, Joanna. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I have my calendar close by, so we, we may need to think about booking you for book three, too. <laughs> That's awesome. I'd love to be on your podcast for book three. Good, good. So, Alice, the last time we spoke about your mystery series was December 19th, 2020. You've been busy. Your short story, The Potluck Brigade, is in the mystery anthology Crime Wave. Night Trials has just been released. How are you doing? Well... Yes, I'm doing really well. Thanks for asking. Um, yeah, it has been a very busy winter and actually it's shaping up to be an even busier spring. So yeah, I just keep on writing. Good, good. That sounds fantastic. Um, now, you know I like sports cars. I drive standard. I, I, I really do enjoy driving standard. I like motorcycles a lot. And I'm wondering, when is poor Georgia going to get a nice car or a motorcycle? Is she ever, even if for 15 minutes? 
<laughs> yeah, I, I totally get that. I, I actually drove standards back in the day myself. And, and uh, I also drove on and off uh, road motorcycles. So I'm sure George is envious of the both of us. Um, but right now, her income as a private investigator is still following that feast or famine cycle. Uh, but once she rebalances her bank book and gets a few more cases under her belt, she might very well spring for a motorcycle. However, um, she'll still keep leasing from jumping jalopies because Calgary winters really limit, you know, the amount of time you can rely on a motorcycle. So uh, I don't know, there might be a motorcycle in her future. Excellent. Well, if I remember correctly, I have a sister who lives in Calgary, and she's talked about sometimes having hailstorms where the hail is like the size of a golf ball. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. We're 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 known for our um, famous hailstorms in the spring and summer, and it just seems like every time you get a nice hot day, which for us is sort of in the mid eighties Fahrenheit. Uh, you know, then usually we get a big thunderstorm and hail right after that. So, uh, yeah, so that's fun. <laughs> In addition to the winter blizzards. <laughs> but we don't have tornadoes, so yay for us. <laughs> so I could see we, we don't want Georgia on a motorcycle during a hailstorm. Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 So how has the reception been in the feedback for night trials? Well, it's been great so far, and I'm very fortunate, and I, I have a diehard group of fans, you know, who were waiting for, for the second Georgia Night book to come out, and uh, they're already already asking when the third one will be out, and uh, one of them sent me a message the other day, and uh, she said, loving the book, just finished the chapter where Georgia snuffs out a Roomba. Absolutely hilarious. Gotta go. Can't quit reading. <laughs> so <laughs> when I get messages like that, it's just like music to my ears. So yes. I'm, I'm glad people are enjoying it. Well, we get in a little bit with the dialogue and yeah, yeah, just such <laughs> great little moments. And if you're wondering what I'm doing here, Alice, to keep the Oz man happy, I'm feeding him dog treats. Oh, nice. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> doesn't interrupt us so if I make a funny face and he's, it's because he's chomped on my finger but we're going to keep going okay okay so I'm working on book two and I've noticed a difference in my writing from book one um, have you noticed a difference in you as an author or in your character's in this novel um, compared to the first book? Have you noticed anything different to your approach to writing this book? Yeah, and yes to all of that. Actually, when I sat down to write Night Trials, I felt better about writing it. Not that I didn't feel good about writing Nightline, but I knew what to expect having gone through that first experience. Yeah. So I, I knew what it was gonna take. I knew what to expect. And I learned uh, how to structure things so it would be easier for myself later um, to edit. So one thing I did learn was not to edit as I go, but to just uh, write the whole thing first. And um, I overwrote my first book, Night Blind. It was 120,000 words when I was finished. And, uh, you know, that's okay if you're Stephen King, but not if you're Alice Vienna writing your first book, right? So uh, I had to cut out a whole subplot and I made the mistake not knowing any better at that time. 
that I interwove the subplot through many of the chapters. So then when I had to go and cut it, cut the subplot, it pretty much impacted all the chapters. So now I, I know better and I create separate chapters for each of the subplot. And um, having said that, um, now that I'm getting book three ready to, to put up for pre-order this June and I'm in the proofreading stage, I'm, I'm finding I'm rewriting, rewording, changing sentence structures as I go along. And mainly because I wrote that book three in 2017 while I was waiting for my agent to pitch Nightline. And uh, I'm sure you've heard it and we've all heard it as writers, uh, the advice that says, you know, just keep writing after you, you write book one. Don't wait, you know, till your agent or a publisher picks it up. Keep writing. And uh, it's good advice and advice I followed. But by the time I finished uh, and published Night Blind last year, I, I already had four Georgia Night novels finished and written. <laughs> so now, you know, that I, I'm, I'm in the final proofread of these books, I'm noticing that my writing has gotten better. And, uh, you know, it's just, I, I know now how to tighten things up. Uh, not so much the, the story structure or content is changing, but it's all those little things, you know, like how to tighten and polish up the story, getting rid of extraneous words, like, you know, all those kinds of things. And so I, I do believe I've learned a lot through the process and I'm sure I'm gonna learn a whole lot more as I continue, yeah. That is that is so cool because I know with my second one I say I think it's a more mature story. Does that make sense? Just yes, yes, right. It, it, it does. I've noticed the same thing. I I uh, you know I'm working on book six now. Holy, and, holy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, I found that my stories are much more complex now. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of layers in them. You know, I, I like to use subplots. I always did like right from the get go, but I just find they're more complex. And I think that comes from, you know, having more confidence in myself as a writer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now that we've been teasing, um, our listeners, can you give yeah. us a little summary of what night trials is about? Sure. I'd love to. So, uh, in night trials, um, George's best friend, Gab Rizzo, who's a personal chef, calls Georgia up desperate for some help as her sous chef misses his plane in British Columbia and, and, and isn't going to be back to help her cater this very, very important dinner that she's that she's catering. So at the time that she calls Georgia, Georgia's on another case and she's following her client's boyfriend to make sure he's not cheating on her. Um, but of course, Gab's her very best friend and she's stuck. So of course, George is gonna abandon her surveillance and go to help um, her friend Gab cater this very, very posh uh, dinner event. So the dinner is being held in uh, one of the partners' uh, homes of a company called Rightweight. And they're celebrating a major in investment and new partners joining the company. Now, Rightweight um, has developed and is about to release this marvelous new weight loss pill that they have just invented or developed. And uh, the whole world's been waiting for this pill because, you know, you don't have to change anything about your life. You just take this pill and it melts off fat. So it's going to be a really big thing. Um, unfortunately, one of the guests fails to survive the dinner that uh, Gab and Georgia serve. So um, Gab, of course, starts to unravel pretty quickly because she's 
believe she may have inadvertently poisoned the guest. And um, like the good friend Georgia is, she, of course, jumps in and tries to clear Gab's um, name from the murder suspect list. But as she digs deeper into the uh, other guests' lives, she discovers a whole lot more going on. And uh, more than a few of the attendees had um, motive to kill the victim. And uh, Georgia also worries there might be something wrong with the new weight loss pill that's about to be released. So uh, she frantically, you know, is racing to try to uncover what has happened. And then she discovers a dangerous hidden plot that's also slowly unraveling unrolling and uh, she has to decide whether she is going to expose that and and maybe shatter more lives or keep what she's found hidden so yeah and what I like about it is what we'll talk about the plot lines is it it seems more realistic you know it's not just a matter of uncovering one thing but you how you've woven these plot lines together you know the the reader has these moments of (gasps) flip the page (laughs) right right. yeah yeah Yeah. I mean I I love doing that right because I I agree with you I think it's kind of realistic it's you know sometimes I read these mysteries or thrillers and it's very very focused on the story at hand but I kind of enjoy more you know the characters and and you know what what's going on around her as well as what's happening in the case. Yeah. Uh, All of which impact, of course, her ability to ferret out what's going on. Yeah. 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 And it was neat because when I started reading your book, I immediately, I recognized your style, which is a good thing because it was like right out of the gate, you start with action, you know, and even even if it's just, George is pulling off her wig, you know, um, (laughs) I felt like I was dropped into the passenger seat of George's life. And I wanted to say, okay, what's up, you know, let's go. (laughs) So is that something you, you do, I don't want to say you do deliberately, but is that something that you like to do or you just, you know, you want to start off with action? I, I, I was wondering, is that, is that what you like doing? Yes, and 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 um, I I do like to start with Georgia um, already doing something or engaged in something, and it's really interesting that you asked me that question because uh, now that I think about it, like you know, I'm asking myself, okay, so why do I do that? You know, other than the fact that the writing advice out there is always, you know, try to start your book as close to the inciting incident as you can, you know, but I've been known to start my my books in a subplot. But you know, now that I think about why I do that, I think it's easier for me to get my head back into Georgia, you you know, in book two or book three or whatever book I'm writing, you know, the other one has been written, you know, maybe months and months ago, or even a, a year or longer ago. And so when if I start with that action, it just immediately puts me in Georgia's shoes. And I think it also helps me as a writer, you know, and hopefully it helps the readers well jump in. So maybe it it does serve two purposes. Yeah, good, good, good. Um, So what was the, I say the impetus for Night Trials? Because it's interesting, this ties into your earlier comment about 
just keep writing even after you've written book one. Right. And um, I'm just fine tuning book two, but already in my head, I got an idea for book three, which has to do with an esthetician. So um, what was the impetus for Night Trials? Like you finished Night Blind. So what was that spark that made you go, hey? Right. So so George is a smart, independent, smart woman, but she's a bit of a loner. But she has two really good friends, and that's Gab Rizzo and her uh, an ex-detective, uh, Mike. And um, so both those characters are introduced in, in book one in Nightblind. And so when I finished Nightblind, I kind of thought, you know, because Gab is such a big part of George's life, uh, because she's like family to her and Georgia doesn't have much in the way of family, I thought maybe it would be nice to sort of um, introduce the readers more to, to Gab as a character in the second book. And so, um, it started out with um, this idea that maybe Gab and Georgia should do something together or be together more in this in this next book. And so I wanted to sort of showcase that friendship with Gab. And um, yes, the, in in Night Trials, there's you know deceit and murder and cyberbullying and abduction, but all this happens within the sphere or realm of these different friendships in the story. And so it's not only Gab and George's uh, friendship, uh, but there's also other uh, friendships groupings in the story, uh, like uh, her client Lydia and, and her boyfriend uh, Dave, and then also Malcolm, who's the son of the CEO of Right Rightweight, and his friend Eric, and uh, Dimitri, one of the investors, and Rose, and all these friends these good friends are find themselves drawn into some kind of shady or legal or dangerous circumstance by virtue of their friendship. And uh, so I thought that was maybe the way to go with book two. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, that's the thing. Um, You like, just as you just mentioned, you have new characters and I know you're a plotter and can you share any particular idea that came to you with regards to a certain character or a new character? Because you have got some really good new characters. <laughs> oh, thanks. So, um, yeah, in this book, because Gab, you know, who's a close friend and they're good friends and and um, that relationship was going to be a very smooth relationship in terms of the relationship itself and so I wanted um, Georgia to have to deal with um, somebody that's odd and maybe difficult to 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 deal with as a contrast you know to to the main story that that uh, she's working on with Gab so um, I created Lydia and uh, Lydia is uh, the other paying client um, and that's how the book starts off. She's actually following Lydia's boyfriend uh, because Lydia thinks he's she, he's cheating on her. Lydia is a very jealous woman, and um, she's also very different from her her boyfriend Dave. And Lydia writes and illustrates uh, children's books, um, <laughs> but she doesn't trust people very easily, and she's also very demanding. You know, a bit needy, rude, and wacky. 
And uh, I, I like that because it makes a good contrast character, you know, to, to Georgia's uh, Gabarizzo. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think the, the, the other one that I loved coming up with was, uh, you know, the right kind of investor for right weight. And um, so who better than a Russian, right? I mean, <laughs> so I created uh, uh, Dmitry Azentenko. Yeah. And he's a former Olympian boxer who, who defected during the 1984 Olympics in, in Los Angeles. Um, and he's become a successful in, investor with international ties. So I yeah. kind of thought yeah. he'd be a cool guy to be the investor, right? Not just your average run-of-the-mill guy down the street, right? Or someone who lives in, you know, the city. So, yeah. And and you have that because for me, it was uh, the relationship between a car and yep. Dave. Good. And that's another one, I think, an example of the the relationship, the, the characters, the friendships you have in your, your story. And um, can you just give our readers, our listeners, a brief idea of what their relationship is like, who Akar and Dave are? Right. Sure. So Dave is a, Dave is a guy that uh, Georgia has been hired by Lydia to, to follow. He, he's Lydia's. Uh, boyfriend and he's an IT guy and he's very very smart and uh, quite brilliant with the technology but let's face it you know he's a nerd <laughs> he's nerdy and um, so uh, so I saw a car as a kind of friend that Dave would have you know they're both geeky guys you know who love technology you know they love Star Wars and Comic Con and they like talking about cool stuff and and uh, what a pain in the arse some of their clients are and uh, but but realistically they're they're the kind of guys that would rather stay home and play video games and eat junk food you know than yeah. than go out to a bar or, or or socialize you know so so you know a car seemed to be a really good kind of friend for for Dave to have and and he he'd be the kind of friend Dave would have you know and uh yeah so they they paired quite nicely in the story I thought <laughs> well what I liked with a car you know we learn he's in IT he's a gamer and it, it was neat because you, you have a car saying I was fighting Hyri Dave's avatar and the day he got and the day he got shot and one moment Hyri is standing over my avatar Indicar with his sword raised and then nothing and <laughs> i found that just that dialogue i found it so cool and then you know and then georgia asked him you know if he's seen or talked to dave since and akar says and and it's how he he references it to being online and he says, no, not even online. Hyrie remains silent. And I just, <laughs> I, I, I loved it. I loved it. And it's just how this man communicates through his gaming, like through who the, oh, the gaming oh, avatars. Oh, you, and yeah. now in your book, you explain computer terminology, uh, servers, hackers, encryption so well. and. Um, I was wondering what research was involved, um, like, and was it a challenge summarizing that technology to make it easy to understand? But 
the thing that got me is because they're they're explaining about servers and hackers and 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 encryption, but the pacing did not slow down at all. So right. how what was the research like? How was it writing those those pieces? Right. So um, I did have to do a lot of research and. Uh, back in the day when I was still working full time and had my consulting company, a lot of the work I did was for IT departments, although I'm not a IT specialist or technical person. I mostly worked uh, with IT departments to improve like workflow processes, help develop uh, product strategies or data management practices, that kind of stuff. But every client I went into, you know, it was a big challenge to learn, you know, the acronyms, the the apps they were using, the analytical tools and and the technology, you know, that was involved because any of these work processes are are these days underpinned by by this technology. So, and the technology changes so quickly and it is mind boggling. So, um, you know, I'm sure most of what I knew is is outdated (laughs) because it does change so quickly. But I do remember going into a client and, and feeling how overwhelming it could be. So I I did do some research to sort of remind myself what some of the technology pieces were, uh, you know, that that Dave would have run into or that Malcolm and Eric would have run into. And, um, but I used Lydia as my excuse to get Dave to dumb things down so she could understand it, right? So even, even so I think that's what, didn't bog down the pacing they have the you know this is happening a lot through conversation and Lydia of course is is technologically challenged and doesn't understand this and she just rolls her eyes when Dave talks and and uh, Georgia keeps reminding Dave English Dave English you know when he, when he gets into this technology so I, I think that helps sort of um take it down a lever level and I didn't let Dave you know get carried away with his explanation of things because you know he he as a character probably could have gone on for chapters right about how all this stuff works together but of course I didn't want that (laughs) for myself or the reader right so yeah yeah and it it didn't slow down the pacing at all like it and it was very realistic you know like yeah 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 Yeah. well very well done because I I as I'm reading it I'm like okay I'm, I'm learning something here, but it it wasn't right. odd, you know. It did it just it flowed right in with the narrative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you have many characters because of the circumstances of the story, but each one, each character has his or her own own voice. I have to admit, there were a few times, and I'm not a violent person. Yeah. <laughs> that I really wanted to cuff Lydia. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh. And um I think I remember in our first podcast that you said you did detailed character descriptions. Yeah. So once I have sort of the idea for the story and I start writing it, then then as there's then as a character gets introduced into the story and, and becomes part of it, then I like to write maybe half to one page description of that character. And um, not, not because I want to reveal their backstory in the novel I'm writing itself, but sort of knowing the, these characters' backstory um, helps me to 
metaphorically walk in their shoes, so to speak, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah. it helps me understand how they would act and behave in the situations that I throw them into. So I, I do develop sort of a, you know, up to a one page description of these characters, who they are, their background, uh, their likes, their dislikes, you know, and, uh, you know, what what their personalities are like. So, yeah. so that when they're, you know, I can keep true to true to those personalities through through the story. Okay, because even with Georgia, um, you know, I, I really enjoy how she's she's trying to think positive. She's it's like she's trying to channel positive energy, and <laughs> and honestly, I think she should try sushi. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy sushi. I don't eat the the raw. I've had a little bit of raw sushi, but you know, you can get cooked sushi. So I think Georgia should try some sushi. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I, I think Georgia needs to try a lot of new stuff, right? Because, because you know, she's slowly working herself out of this sort of introverted rut that she was in in her previous job. And, you know, now she's expanding, you know, her world and herself as a character. So it might be really a good idea to have her, you know, have a date, take her out for some sushi maybe in the next book. And I think that could be very funny. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I think back to the novels I read in my early 20s, um, the fiction, and I think the, our fiction and the writing has changed with the times. Um, the fact that you have a character who is emo, which is great. Um, and Judy, I just uh, did a, you know, dropped a podcast with Judy Tates, and she has a young man who he doesn't practice parkour, which is the, the physical activities of running up the side of buildings and, and stuff like that. But he has the physicality of that sort of workout. Now, books, I think books now have much more variety in plot lines and in characters. And in Night Trials, you deal with social issues. You deal with cyberbullying. Um would you say it's because of our times or would you say there's just a new generation of authors or is it because we have more sophisticated readers and we want different plot lines? But I think it's great that these social issues are being addressed in books. Yeah, I, I think so too. And, and what a great question. I think writers, you know, maybe in one way or another, always reflect the world that they know, you know, in their creative work. And uh, for example, I love Agatha Christie and read uh, most, if not everything she's ever written. You know, her books are full of like the secret affairs, you know, there's suicides, there's murder, of course. Uh, but many of her stories were about individuals um, seeking moral justice, you know, rather than legal justice. So it was all about, you know, morally, you know, there was revenge and, and, you know, so, so a lot of her books, you know, focused around this sort of moral justice. Um, but like, like you said, our world has really changed. And, and I think actually technology is a reason for this. It's opened up our world tremendously and we're exposed to so much more uh, now uh, than people were a hundred years ago. And uh, our internet and our communication technologies allow us to explore issues and parts of the world that otherwise would be hidden from us. And um, so that's our world today. And I, I think also readers, you know, want to see, you know, 
these stories taking place in the world that that they know it they know you know and so they want they want that reflected in the stories they're reading as well yeah and I have to say when I was reading your story I was glad to see thinking of our times I was glad to see no reference to COVID right (laughs) I I really was right you know, right. I will. Uh, I right. I will. You know, that question has come up this year. And I know there's been questions posted out there, you know, on various sites about, you know, will will you be working COVID into your story if your story takes place in in 2019 or 2020, 2021? And, and for me, it won't. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think we've all been COVIDed to pieces. <laughs> And, uh, you, know, you know, yes, it's an unfortunate occurrence that's happening um, in our world today, but I don't know if people want to have their news feed and their news full of COVID day after day after day and then pick up a book and have, you know, have more of it. So, yeah. so I certainly won't be including any COVID scenes in my books. <laughs> no, and, and it was a joy just because literally I escaped Oh, gosh, it was yesterday afternoon, just escape for a few few hours to finish reading your book. And it was just, that's what it was, escape, right, from everything else. Right, right. Awesome. I can think of three storylines happening in your novel. And I was like, wow, okay. And so you have the main whodunit. Okay, then I, this is how I interpreted it. The main whodunit, the second storyline with Dave, and then there's another storyline with Malcolm. And I was wondering how does she keep these three three storylines together and weave them together? And I thought, I wonder if she uses, so speaking of COVID, you know how they show the graph with their numbers? I thought, I wonder if she uses a graph, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for her storylines. <laughs> well, well, I haven't resorted to a graph yet, but I tell you, there's been days I'm tempted. Um, I, I think the way I have learned to do this is because I'm a plotter, I, I start with this rough outline for my story, as, as you know, and uh, before I start writing, and, it, and it's quite high level. But, you know, when I'm finished my first draft, I actually go back and update my outline, which I know, chapter by chapter, which is weird, right? Like, like, why would she do this? She's already written the story. But for me, um, this is the way I, I track and make sure everything fits together. So usually the, the chapter descriptions at this point, after I've written it, are only three or four sentences for each chapter. But I write down who's the main character, you know, what's the purpose of this chapter? What happens in this chapter to move the story along? There has to be some reason for it to exist. There's either information that's revealed in that chapter, whether it's real or a red herring, you know, that's critical to the story. And so by doing that, and now I've learned to like for all my subplots, start a new chapter when I'm moving to that subplot, I can now read my outline, you know, using, you know, the chapter subplots like a thread. And I, and so I read the the outline, ignoring the in-between chapters that don't belong to the subplot. And and so it's like reading through a miniature little 
outline of that subplot. And uh, so, so that's, and then I can fill in and say, oh, I have a gap here or, or that's not working or whatever. And um, the process also has helped me to um, delete chapters at this stage. I think I mentioned I overwrote in, in book one and came out at 120,000 words. And, uh, and I've learned that just because I've written something and I might have had great fun writing it, and, and it may very well be in, in entertaining, you know, but is it needed in the story? And so I look for if I can lift the scene out of the story and the story doesn't change, well, then I don't need that scene, you know. And so it helps me edit out stuff that, you know, otherwise you you kind of, you know, you've written it, you like what you wrote, it's, you know, you you know, and you might be tempted not to take it out, but this really helps me see uh, which which uh, chapters or scenes really don't contribute a whole lot to the story. And so I think by taking them out, it also helps, you know, the pacing as well. Yeah, because I know at the end of mind, I have a little title that's called Extra, and it's just mm -hmm. paragraphs or pages that you know, either I've taken them out, but you don't want to delete them because you, right, right. you yeah. don't know if you may, you know, through rewrites, use it or save it for another book, maybe. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Cool. Because that's the thing. It's not hard for the reader to read because you've done the work, right? <laughs> you know, you've done the work and it's just as the, another writer, I'm reading it and thinking, whoa, this is good. Like how she's woven the three plot lines, you know, and I'm like, woo. <laughs> so, yeah. Mary. Although I have to admit, there, there's days where I get the sticky notes out and I've got a big piece of paper and I'm moving stuff around, and, you know, but once I, I get going, you know, I pretty much stick with the writing and the outline and then going back and updating the outline with what I have written. And uh, yeah. So curious, do you give yourself any sort of a break between, so you've, like, that's what I've been doing. I've written, I wrote the first draft, had a six week break, and then went back to the second draft. I took another mm -hmm. break, fine tuned mm -hmm. it again before I gave it to the editor. And it was weird because I think I've mentioned this before, as soon as I gave it to the editor, then I'm things are just like clicking in my brain, thinking right. of how, what how I could just tighten a few things up. And it's right. during this break. Do you give yourself a break at all between rewrites or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting hearing you go through your process because I kind of do the same thing now. I uh, I'll write the first draft, and then and then when you're done that, and and for people who haven't attempted the first draft yet, you will need a break because <laughs> especially if you're writing full time because you've been in this story for weeks, and uh, so usually I do put it away. I usually put it away for about two weeks, but after that I kind of go through a process I have sort of a four or five step process so I have my first draft draft so when I read it again I'm just focusing on does the story make sense do I have any loose threads did I did I tie things together and so I, I do that then my then after a couple more weeks I go through it again and I go okay now 
are the sentences complete? Because and, and have I filled in the gaps? Because when I'm writing, if I come across something I don't know or I need to look up, I don't look it up. I just go XXX or something. And then later I can just search on all my X's and, and then I fill that in. So that's kind of my third draft. And then my fourth draft, I go through and I have a list that I've made over the years, probably of about 60 or 70 words that I tend to overuse. And I do a search for all of those. And then I take them out. I try to eliminate as many as possible, either by cutting them out or replacing them with stronger words, right? And uh, then I do sort of the final read through where I'm looking, where I'm proofreading and 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 like you that only then do I actually feel ready I can give it to my editor right yeah. and so that whole process with the little breaks in between um, takes me you know probably another three months at, at least after I finish the book and uh, and then like you the minute it's off to the editor I'm like oh darn you know you start thinking about all the ways you could have improved it. And so sometimes when I get it back, I'm, I make those changes and, and, uh, but I'm trying to discipline myself not to mess with things too much after that point. <laughs> well, that's it. I'm, I think I'm at week three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm starting to get like I want to get at it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like I'm kind of getting like itchy fingers and, but it's like April mid-April I get to get it back again and I'm just like no 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 you don't get tempted to to, you know (laughs) wait you have to wait you have to wait to yeah it's so true it's like it's like your brain gets a break from it and that's when all these really excellent thoughts come out right because I think when you're in the middle of it you're you're in the doing you know and and then sometimes that even blocks some of the possibilities that you might think of later you know when you free your mind up to enjoy those moments yeah yeah (laughs) and even in the last book that I've just been proofreading I've noticed my over use of looked or variations, look, look, looking. And uh, so when I went through, I, I cut most of them out because um, it actually, you know, I would have things like Georgia looked up or something. I'm thinking, no, Georgia doesn't need to look up because you see this, I certainly see these scenes in my head. And so I'm writing kind of the scene that I see in my head, but that doesn't necessarily translate to the best way, you know, you know to write that section or chapter, right? And so it's still happening to me today. I'm, I think I'm more conscious as I'm writing, but it's amazing how many extraneous words work their way <laughs> into my drafts. Well, it's with all of us. And yeah. even though you didn't describe the game Dave and Akar are playing, as soon as I, I read, one moment Hyrie is standing over my a- avatar into car with his sword raised, I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I have, yeah, I really, yeah, I really like that passage. It was, it was really awesome. cool. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Alice, the last time we talked, you choked me up because we started talking about our parents escaping right. the war and uh, you did it again with this book. Right? <laughs> um, and it was so cool because this has never happened to me before. When I was done and I read the acknowledgments and you you mentioned podcasters and I kept I kept reading and then you and you spelt my name right too right <laughs> and when you you thanked me I I was just 
I was just over it made it was so sweet. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, you're you're very welcome. I truly do appreciate and and I also admire you for what you do. I mean, you're a writer, you're an artist, you work, you're a podcaster, and I love what you're doing and and why you're doing this. Like you're sharing what you do and you're sharing the people you meet with your your readers and your listeners. And and I'm sure your listeners uh really appreciate it, but I wanted to let you know that um uh I really appreciate not only what you do for your fans, of which I am one of, and and your listeners, but what you do for your fellow creatives. Okay. So um, it it was and is a very heartfelt thank you. Oh. Well, here's the funny thing: I am now booking for October. Yes. Okay. <laughs> right. And as I was looking through my calendar, I thought, okay, your book is launching in September. <laughs> You don't have room on your own <laughs> podcast. <laughs> right, right. So yes. I'm hoping I can do something together with another author in October, you know, maybe right. promoting their new book and promoting my book, maybe have a tag team thing. So if you're open to the idea. Yeah, right, yeah you know, absolutely. Well, th- well, this is what happens when you become a, a listened to and successful podcaster, right? right? <laughs> Yeah, it's a good problem to have. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 So, Alice, you know what's coming. The favorite question. Georgia, she meets you at Jumpin' Jalopies, and she wants to have a few words with you. What is she going to say? Okay. So she probably might say something like, okay, Alice, I'm getting a bit better at this PI gig. And I'm even starting to support myself financially. And I've been studying and learning and my cases are getting more complex. And um, I'm even starting to put some money away. Uh, but I'm getting antsy. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm really ready to do something completely wild. And um, seriously, these cars <laughs> <laughs> that you have me driving, you know, they, they may work, but um I'm, I might be hankering for something a little speedier, maybe a motorcycle. Maybe I'll get myself some hot lingerie and a leather jacket. Maybe I'll go eat sushi. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all at the same time. She gets, gets it right. Gets <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, Alice, for the listeners who haven't heard your previous podcast which it dropped on December 19th where can people find you on the socials and is there anything you'd like to add um thanks yes I'm on Facebook Instagram Twitter and um I I want my readers and fans to join me and Georgia on this uh, this journey um if you go to my website which is www.com alicebienia.com and sign up for my newsletter there. I have a free copy of uh, Night Shift, which is the prequel to to the Georgia Night series. Uh, There is a thank you for for, um, signing up and and joining me on my journey. Um, There's also going to be more free stories and gifts for my uh, readers later on this spring. And um, so I'm hoping to share that with uh, my readers and fans as well. Excellent. And I will have your website and all your social media um, handles um, (laughs) in the show notes. Okay. So thank you. Alice, thank you for coming on. 
when is book three coming out? Okay, so um, I hope to have book three, which is called Three Dog Night, um, up on pre-order this June. And uh, it's going to be out in early, early September. And uh, in the meantime, I also have an anthology coming out later this month, or in April, actually, um, or early May, and uh, featuring some of the stories that I and uh, three of my fellow crime writers have written. So uh, that's kind of my little interim project till the next Georgia Night uh, book comes out. Excellent. Gosh, you're busy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, listeners. If you like my podcast, please subscribe or follow. It's really easy. Um, www.jcbartstudio.net. Alice, I hope I can get you on here again, maybe in October. Yeah, I hope so too. I always have such a great time with you chatting about books and friendships and relationships and parents. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, bye-bye, Alice. Bye, Joanna. Thanks again. And as usual, it was so much fun talking to you.